0: Welcome everyone, this is Andy, the Analytical Preacher. The title of this podcast says, A Minister's Honest Conversation About Sex. I really just put that label on it, hoping that folks would tune in and listen. I'm really going to talk, no, I'm just kidding. We're actually going to talk about sex. Here's the first thing that I think a minister has to say about sex in modern day America. And that is this, sex was designed and given to humans by God. So we don't need to think about sex in some evil way or whatever, that this is something that humans have created and look how bad it is. It may be something that humans have distorted, but sex itself is designed, ordained, given to humans by God. If you look at the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter one, and you look toward the end of that chapter in the 28th verse, God told Adam and Eve, and I quote, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, if we're translating a children's edition of the Bible, we can definitely stick with be fruitful and multiply. But if we're writing a version for adults, I mean, we can just come out and say what God means. Hey, Adam and Eve begin having sex so that you can have babies who will ultimately be made in my image, who can fill the earth with my glory. So we see from the very beginning, this was part of God's plan. Within a one woman, one man, biblical marriage, sex is God ordained, God given, and God approved. So if we're trying to be some prude, we want to look righteous in front of other people. Maybe we say something like, oh yeah, really sex has turned out to be bad. Or, you know, I wish sex had never been created. Look at all the pain it causes in the world. That is actually a very unbiblical statement. God says that his original creation was very good. When a perfect, infinite, holy, just God, about which the Bible says he is pure love and perfect light, when, when that God says that something is very good, it must be outstanding indeed. And here's what we would say. Things that happen after the curse, after the Genesis 3.15, and God tells us some of those things in the curse. People will get sick and they will die. You won't be able to grow your food as easily. Even the marriage relationship itself will be under strain. If we talk about things that were caused by the curse of sin, then it's very biblical to say things like, I wish cancer had never come around. I wish we could get rid of cancer. Yeah, that's that's a biblical thing to say. But to say that we want part of the original creation to not be here, to not have ever come around, that's unbiblical. Everything that God created in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, the universe, the natural laws that govern the universe, the humans that are made in his image, the relationship between the humans that are made in his image, all of that was excellent. All of that is excellent. If preachers just constantly try to talk down about sex, talk about how horrible it is and all the pain that it causes and all these sort of things, and we just wrap it into a total blanket, sex equals bad, we're not going to have any credibility because people are going to be saying in their mind, well, then you must not be doing something right because it's actually not bad at all. Preachers have to say conditionally, categorically, within a one man, one woman biblical marriage, sex is an incredible gift of God. And it's not just a gift because of the pleasurable feelings, and it's not just a gift because of the offspring that we can generate, because of the children that we can have. God has also designed sex to increase the intimacy between partners. God has designed sex as this Way to build a unique and powerful bond. Remember, the Bible refers to spouses as helpers or helpmates for one another. But this powerful act, this sex that creates these ties that are so powerful and so unique can do good in bringing those helpmates together and bringing that relationship to the strength that God designs. But it impacts our psyche. It impacts our spirit and our soul and our mental and emotional being in such a way that when we utilize sex in an unbiblical way, It creates problems, and I think it creates problems that go far beyond what we traditionally understand. It creates problems for us personally, it creates problems in our relationships, and it most definitely creates problems in society. In his time, Jesus would often use examples of other real-world things. He would speak about farming examples and fishing examples to make his stories understood, his religious principles And points understood. Let me do that here with sex and let me use narcotics as my example. And here's why narcotics can create this powerful and pleasurable feeling. Narcotics, however, are to be used within a very narrowly defined role. And outside of that narrowly defined role, narcotics can and have caused great, great harm. If I'm out putting wood together in the woodshed and I cut into my leg with a chainsaw, to have a doctor administer or a paramedic administer narcotics to me would be a blessing indeed. Even fentanyl, and we tend to think today about fentanyl as being all bad, It's causing a drug crisis in our country. It's increasing the number of drug deaths in our country. But even fentanyl has a, perhaps more narrowly defined, but a narrowly defined proper role. Fentanyl is used for cases of extreme pain management with patients suffering from things like terminal cancer. So fentanyl has a role. Now we understand that if we misuse fentanyl, Negative effects are going to follow. We understand that. But in its role, properly used and administered, fentanyl is actually a positive addition to society. The problem is when we misuse it, and we almost always misuse narcotics, we almost always misuse sex, not for the short-term pleasure, though we tell ourselves that, oh, I just like the taste of alcohol, I enjoy the high of crack and methamphetamine, or sex is just great, so I do it as often as I can with as many people as I can. We tell ourselves that. But the truth is, when we misuse things like this, It's almost always covering for some hole. We may not understand that's what's going on, but there's usually some hole we're using it as a coping mechanism. And because we don't even understand why we're using it, we certainly don't understand all of the negative direct and indirect effects that are harming our lives and the lives of those around us. And again, we can view sex in the exact same way. Sex is much more powerful than we think it is. It is not a short-term, temporary, physical act. But sex is designed to impact the psyche, to impact the soul, the spirit, the emotions, our mental health. Sex is is designed to affect that to a much greater and much longer-term degree than it has anything to do with just physical pleasure. Sex, as powerful as it is, must be used within its designed purpose sex is much more powerful and probably much more dangerous to our emotional and spiritual health than any drug or alcohol use could ever be but when it is used as it has as it is designed it is a wonderful and beneficial thing so how is it designed what is the design and again one is to multiply, fill the earth with humans made in God's image that can reflect His glory. But let's go back for just a second to those first couple of chapters in the Bible when everything was very good that God had created before our sin had cursed it. In Genesis 1 and 2, God tells humans that He put us here to manage His creation. So some folks talk about us being on-site managers. Others say we're stewards of His creation. The Bible command is actually quote-unquote, subdue the earth and have dominion over it. Take care of what I have made. I am putting you in charge of it. Of course, we're told to fill the earth and multiply. In the New Testament, we're told that we are ambassadors for God, that we are his spokespeople, and that we're to make the, the greatness of God known. A lot has happened since those days in the Garden of Eden, and a lot has happened since Jesus and the Apostle Paul put down in the New Testament that we're to make God known and be his ambassadors and his spokespeople. But the reason humans were made, the image in whom we are made, has remained exactly the same. And we need to understand our lives are to be first used for God, to make God known, to give God glory, and to manage what he provides for us in this physical creation in which we live. And when we begin to understand that our purpose for existing is to glorify God, is to put Him first, is to work for Him as His steward and His manager, then we understand what helpmate means even more. From a purely human perspective, we may say, oh, our spouse or our helpmate is just here to make my life easier. My spouse or my helpmate is here to make my life more enjoyable. That's actually not it at all. My helpmate is to be exactly that, my partner in fulfilling my kingdom role. Since we have such a critical duty to God to be his stewards and his spokespeople and his ambassadors, the helper in those duties, our spouse, our helpmate, they must be committed to us. We must be committed to them with a much stronger bond than just our best friend from high school. We must know that we can depend on them. We must know that we have the same goal in life. We must, we must actually seek to bolster each other's efforts, always providing encouragement to the other. We must try to work hand in glove. As a single, the Bible says that when a man and woman become married, that the two shall become one flesh. Sex helps us complete that. It helps us to become so that we literally work as a single unit and it works to shore up our weaknesses. We often hear the phrase opposites attract. That is true. And here's the reason. Because if I am weak in an area, but my spouse, my wife, my helper, my helpmate is strong in that area, then as a unit, we become better stewards and better ambassadors for our God. And that is what sex, one of the things that sex is trying to imprint on the psyche. It's one of the attributes that sex allows a man and wife couple to build together. So it's more than just a momentary pleasure or even a way to have children. I should go back to our drug example for just a second and, and make sure I explicitly say the misuse of sex is really never about the immediate pleasure it provides. There is always some ulterior motive. And again, even if we don't understand it, but a person may have a misunderstanding of who they are. They may have a misunderstanding of where they belong, feeling that they don't belong anywhere and desperately searching for approval and validation, we may be frustrated that we can't control or exert power over the things in life that we want to be able to exert power and control over. And for those and a thousand other reasons, mental deficiencies, emotional immaturities, or spiritual holes in our life, we turn to things like the misuse of drugs and the misuse and the overuse of sex outside of a biblical marriage. But just like with the misuse of drugs, the misuse of sex outside of the one man, one woman, husband and wife marriage creates problems. One, it keeps us from identifying and addressing the damage within us that caused us to seek that comfort and that coping mechanism to begin with. And ultimately, as sex becomes a bigger and bigger part, the misuse of sex becomes a bigger and bigger part of our lives. It creates new direct and new indirect issues in addition to the damage from which we were already suffering. And it makes it harder and harder to diagnose and to reverse the damage that was originally there, and the new damage that we've done to ourselves. And just like we would say to someone, don't start playing around with methamphetamine or crack or fentanyl because the long-term biological and psychological consequences are not worth it. The, The the impact on your job and your family and your relationships and your money, it's just not worth it. We would essentially say the same thing. About sex. If you cut into your leg with a chainsaw, I highly recommend narcotics at the first possible moment. And when you are married to your biblical helpmate, then I highly recommend sex at the first possible moment. But we need to understand the misuse of sex is very similar in some ways to the misuse of drugs in our society. Let me throw in one. Additional scriptural thought before we close out here, I want to read some verses that the Apostle Paul wrote in what we call First Thessalonians. It's a book in the New Testament, First Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'm going to read the first six verses. Paul says this, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Think of that word as meaning spiritual or Christian maturity, your continued growth in your faith. So he says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, your ongoing growth, your spiritual maturity, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Here comes the important part of our verse. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand, and solemnly warns you. Paul is literally saying this, I spent some time with you guys and I taught you what it means to be a Christian. I want to remind you that you're not supposed to just become a Christian, but you're supposed to grow and mature as a Christian. That's God's will that you're sanctified, that you continue to get better. The first thing I need you guys to do in this horrible Roman city where you live is to begin to abstain from sex outside of a biblical marriage. And then he says the verse that most folks just sort of breeze right past. I need you to abstain from sex outside of a biblical marriage so that you don't transgress each other with a wrong in this matter because God is going to avenge such things. In modern day America, we've conditioned ourselves to think that if two people have consensual sex Even if it's outside of a marriage, if two people have consensual sex and nobody is hurt, that that is essentially a victimless sin. And it's a good excuse to misuse sex. God clearly says here that we wrong one another when we do this. There is no victimless sex outside of marriage. Even if two people both agree that it is what they want to do at this moment with each other. God still says you are wronging each other. We can go back to our drug example. If I say to you, if you say to me, I desperately want to take some methamphetamine right now, and I say to you, okay, I will take some with you, even though you want to do it. I want to do it. Even though you ask me first, it's that consensual. God would still say you have wronged your brother or your sister when you offered them and participated with them in using that horrible, horrible substance. And I will avenge what you have done to them because I love them and I do not want to see them treated that way. And your role as a Christian who is being sanctified would be to say, let me help you. That is a desperate cry of someone who needs help assistance, maybe spiritual, maybe emotional, maybe mental, maybe physical, maybe all of those things. Let me help you. I will not pile on and contribute. And what this verse in first Thessalonians is saying is when we have even consensual sex outside of a biblical marriage, We wrong one another and God hates our using and abusing each other like that so bad that he promises us solemnly, Paul says, he warns us that he will avenge those wrongs ultimately. So this is how I would wrap this thing up. We know from Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 that sex is good. Sex came from God. It is not a man-made creation that we wish we could do away with. It is something that God gave us. And we should be thankful for it. And we know that when we use sex inside of a one man, one woman biblical marriage, that it is to be appreciated. It is to even be celebrated. And we're to understand that the power that exists in that is to help us build a stronger bond with our helpmate and our fellow ambassador for Christ. And we're also to understand that it is powerful and it can affect, it does affect our psyche in ways we don't understand And we must always be cautious. Why do I want to get drunk tonight? Why do I want to continue to use drugs? And why is sex outside of marriage become such a big part of my life? We must understand we are filling holes and we will be much happier and healthier emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically if we address those things more directly rather than fall into the trap of using a substance or an act as a coping mechanism. Sex is God approved. Sex outside of marriage is not, and it's not just not God approved, but God says we wrong each other when we do it. We perpetuate harm when we do it. We exacerbate the damages that our fellow human is suffering from when we do it, and God hates it, and God will avenge it. That's my honest Christian conversation around the topic of sex. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Andy.